What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Old English D, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Casey, joined by, as always, Josh. How you doing this week, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, man. It has been a, a long, long week on multiple fronts. Uh, but first of all, how was your Easter? Ooh, my Easter was fantastic. Um, maybe not for the Tigers. Um, we did not win Easter Sunday's game. But uh, it was really, really good. I went to my sister's church. We had some ham for for lunch. Um, you were telling me that I should like ham more than I do. Um, I I'm not a big fan of the of the Easter ham, and we're very much a turkey family on Thanksgiving. What 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 do you do for your Easter meal? Uh, typically, typically it's it's the Easter ham. It's pretty, honestly, pretty similar to just the normal fancy Christmas type dinner, but but uh, ham is definitely the better of the two large meats for holiday gatherings. It's I, I'm not a turkey guy. Uh, I know turkey is technically better for you than ham, but I, I just that's a personal preference thing. I you like what you mm-hmm. want, buddy. You like what you want, but just yeah. know that it's it's typically ham is is for for easter that's 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 the normal thing the recipe we go with for our ham is very very good if if i if it wasn't that we do like this bourbon kind of uh like bourbon and like some kind of brown sugar or something or sugar mm, roots mm-hmm. something so we, we sweeten it up you know we you know um it's delicious it, it is really good it's just it's just not my favorite my question to you is if you were Given the choice between a steak, ham, or turkey, where would you go? Uh, just on a normal, regular, everyday occasion, steak every. Yeah, see, every I don't time. know why. Well, I, I mean, I, I just, I, I mean, it doesn't well, because, necessarily have to be an occasion or whatever. But I feel like, yeah, I mean, like you know, generally speaking, what what one are you going to go with? Generally speaking, it would be the steak. The reason why people okay, do okay. the the ham or the turkey is because typically you're feeding. A multitude of people like more like five or more people and that just plays better to the group setting if you've got more at once and you can't really do that with a steak does that make sense we did make way too much ham we did we we made two hams we made two wow, hams and two? we definitely could have gotten yeah we definitely could have gotten away with with one um but then but then little little suspicious i take a look at the leftovers that we have in in the fridge today and we, we don't seem to have that many so okay real question did someone eat a bunch of the leftovers that we had or am, did we just not get the biggest take from said leftovers a lot of questions a lot of questions being had but probably not going to answer them today because this is a detroit tigers podcast not uh easter sunday podcast um but i would be remiss if i didn't ask you how your easter sunday was it was fantastic. I got to visit some family and got to enjoy uh sailor's first Easter with, uh, ah, yes, with my yes. grandma and some cousins. So that was, that was fun. It was, it was a good day. Got to watch some golf, got to watch some Tigers baseball and just, I wondered how long we were going to wait until we mentioned the masters. <laughs> on a, on uh, a we had to watch something baseball interesting podcast. on Sunday. Accurate. Accurate. It was a great, it was a great masters tournament. Um, I would say the late run from Spieth 
definitely made it more interesting for me. Um, and cause I'm just a big space Stan and, uh, John, John Rom deserved the win. He, he really pulled it out. He played better golf than Brooks Kepka. And, uh, that's all I'll say on that matter because everything else is controversial. <laughs> so some Tigers baseball, I what digress. Do you think, buddy? What do you exactly. Think, buddy? Tigers baseball. <laughs> <laughs> um so as many know if you're listening to this podcast you probably know the tigers are two and seven it's easy to forget that those two wins did come this week on the road away against the houston astros and then we got swept in our first home series against the boston red sox it was a rough week. It was a rough week. And specifically, it was a rough three games against the Red Sox. Um, Josh, I'll leave it to you. How are we feeling after two and two and seven? It feels like ages ago. And I couldn't agree with you more on that part. Just because I think it's because we had the day off in between some of the games of the Boston series and opening day was all of the festivities and, you know, Comerica Park, first game of the year, that kind of thing. I think it just added to that what time it felt like. And these games have started to feel long again, like they were last year because of, you know, how the team is playing. So I think all that plays in to it. Uh, they feel long and they're technically shorter, like actually <laughs> real time time of game they're shorter yet they still feel like a drag fantastic so it's definitely what you want from your struggling baseball team is to make you feel like you have to sit there for longer so yes just real quick some statistics that we've accumulated over the last nine games um offensively we are in the bottom three of batting average we are the second worst in walks Last in home runs, so the home run train that we uh, jumped on in spring training has dried up. I guess we could have predicted that. And then we are second to last in on-base percentage. Uh, some pitching statistics. Um, we are second worst in team ERA. Last in team strikeouts. We've been outscored 62-27. to 27. That's a really solid run differential right there. And 12 out of 20 inherited runners from the bullpen have scored. Not a lot of positivity there. Not a lot of excitement there. Um, the Tigers are off to their worst start since 2008 when they went 1-8 and eight in the first nine games. Um, so at least we're not there. Um and that team was two years removed from a World Series appearance. So there's that. Um, the overall optimism that I had for this team is waning. And we're only nine games into the year, and that's concerning. And I really think it just comes down to the brand of baseball we're playing. It just doesn't look any different than the brand of baseball we were playing in the mid June or July of last year. We just look sluggish. We're not scoring runs like we talked about a couple different times uh, during the TikTok video reviews and summaries of the game. 
Um, our pitchers are not executing pitches in high leverage situations. And there's just an overall cloud around this team. Am I looking at it wrong? Man, if you wanted to be depressed about some Detroit Tigers baseball, this is the podcast for you. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Somehow this team is 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 worse than last year. We we thought we thought we were a team that got right off now. A bad I think start. it's important to say right now. I think I mean there's a potential. There's a potential. I mean like Matthew Boyd has a quote, and you know maybe we can talk about this. But you know like I mean you know just as easily we went two and seven. We can go seven and two. We did beat the World Series reigning champs two out of three in Houston, which maybe we just play our A game or bring our A game to Houston, but. Right now, the team is worse. Do you think that's going to continue? I, I do, and not not because I'm mm-hmm. I'm feeling necessarily that bad about the team, but mm-hmm. our schedule this month just does mm-hmm. not lend itself to a team that's struggling. It does. There's no break. There's no let up. There's it's we're playing quality team after quality team. And even like this next week's games against the blue Jays and the giants, like that's two teams that have playoff aspirations. And I think we can say that that's pretty far from where the tigers are, are, are at right now. So uh, not, I I don't, I don't see that this is going to turn itself around very quickly. Uh, Not saying that there isn't a chance for it to turn around at all. I think that's definitely an opportunity. And we've seen the best version of the Detroit Tigers already this year. That's that's a fact. We've seen a complete Detroit Tigers baseball game. That second game versus the Astros was a 10 out of 10 baseball game for what this team is right now. And it's the you know the perfect kind of performance. They have it in them. They do. We have a good performance on the board already this year where we took the game from the beginning and we just took it by the throw and made it made it our own. So all of that being said, I think th- there is always the possibility that this team can do better, but I just don't see it happening at least at least probably till the end of this month. Yeah, I think the schedule thing is important. It's an important factor to bring up. Like I mean, everyone's talking right now how the Rays are 10 and 0, right? Great for them. Amazing start for them, right? But you look at the schedule that they've played and obviously opened the year against us. So pretty easy to win those games, apparently. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, they've played the A's and um, who else did they play? They played the Nationals. They played the Nationals. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, like just, just mediocre teams. And so like that schedule definitely lends itself to that. What's really unfortunate about the Tigers is like, it seems like every year in April, we just bury ourselves and we get our heads down immediately. And then whenever there's some inkling or ray of hope, we always have to remember April and how much it like carries us around like a darker, like, you know, drags behind us like a dark cloud. Um, and we can never like seemingly overcome it. I do believe there are better days ahead for this team. I, I really do. I think. Um, you know, it takes a while to cultivate a culture and takes a while to for a new regime to really get their 
teeth sunk into, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here. That's not an overnight thing and that's fine. But there is this pause for concern of like, nothing seems different. This team isn't playing with a different attitude, a different charisma, a different energy and playing bad in April. Like we've always done is just proving that point. And I know these are good. These You're right. These are good baseball teams that we're playing. These are playoff bound. Possibly they already have their tickets to the playoff kind of teams. Um, and I mean, if you look at anyone's playoff predictions, a lot of these teams are in that conversation. And so, you know, taking a team that is effectively, for all intents and purposes, a triple A ball team. And putting them up against that kind of talent, it's probably not going to go well. I do think that they could play more competitive baseball. And I do think that some decisions that have been made specifically on, you know, pulling pitchers and bullpen control and and bullpen decisions could have been avoided. Um, And and we could have put a better product out on the field. But your point stands that this this schedule is grueling to us and it's 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 unfortunate. But I mean, I really thought that the the Astros games that they yeah, they were they were good, but it seemed like everything had to go our way for those to win and for us to win those games. Even I mean, right, like you'd mentioned the second game. Um you know, we had to, like AJ said, we had to win that game five times over. And and so, or whichever whichever game we had to, like, we swapped leads. Was that the first or second game um, that we swapped leads a couple different times? Um, I believe it was the first one. The first, yeah. It, whichever one it was. We ended up coming away with the win, and it was a great win. Um, but we had to win that game however many times you know like we we had that thing wrapped up and then they came back and they're the astros right they're going to do that but it just seems like everything has to fall into our place for us to win a ball for us to win a ball game and that's not how baseball should be that's not how um how hard it should be to come away with a win and i think whatever message they're trying to send to the players is just simply not getting through um Maybe that's, you know, controlling the strike zone on one end. You know, obviously they've been preaching that for quite a long time. Or maybe it's, you know, win today's ball game that we've talked about a couple different times. It just seems like whatever the regime, whatever AJ, whatever Scott is trying to preach to these players is is not really picking up yet. But like we said, it's three series, nine baseball games. Probably no reason to push the panic button. But I think we're in for another long year. What do you think? You're completely right about the three series, nine games. We're still early in the season thing. My question to you, though, Case, what does the panic button include? What does that entail? Mm. Like, where do we, how could we go lower from here? Because the only way this team gets better from oh, here oh, and nine. is, is <laughs> the the only way this team gets worse is if it's a complete stripped down to the studs rebuild. 
And I know that's not what anybody wants to hear, but if the young guys on this team don't perform, if the guys that we're expecting to have a comeback year, a, a breakout year again, if if they don't perform this year, and if things go terribly wrong and they finish last in the central, like everybody's thinking that they will, then the only way for this to get better is to start all over again. That's a reality I think, that I think, I think people need to, yeah. to start to think about because yes, it's nine games. I understand, but we've said this same, we've had the same conversation for the last three years now. And I understand it got better in 21, but we thought that was the start of our rise. And here we are having the same conversation three years later and we've gone nowhere and we're a one GM down now we're, mm-hmm. you know, halfway through AJ's contract at this point. Like what, what do we, we have to start talking about what's next on either side of that, whether or not this team improves or not, if the team improves, then it's a super exciting conversation that we get to have about, you know, how do we build on it? How do we how do we move from here? A conversation that we had in 2021 that was messed up by the previous GM, I feel like. But if we don't get to have that conversation, then we have to have the other one of who has to go. How how do we how do we mm-hmm. strip this down? Because that's that's a real conversation that we'll have to have. Maybe I've already kind of accepted the fact that we're in rebuild 2.0 i i maybe maybe that's where it comes from we're like i mean i i fully believe that this rebuild will probably be shorter than whatever alavia was trying to do but maybe some of my uh complacency is coming from the fact of of you know this is year one again like we we are and it's not exciting that's not that's not fun but i think that it is probably the path that we're on um, I think, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. Um, and then we were going to talk about this a little bit later, but it, whatever, it's fine. It fits in here. I went to Saturday's game and um, that was the game we lost 14 to five. And it was funny because I was, you know, I, you know, we're doing these TikTok things. We're doing these videos and like, you know, doing more on social media. And I was radio silent for that game and not not necessarily on purpose, but also I was just super depressed after that 14 to five loss. Um, and then, you know, I was hanging out with a buddy from work and stuff. And so, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of time to, to make uh, the videos and whatnot, but being there and talking to some Tigers fans, there is still optimism and it's not necessarily optimism for this, for this year. It was weird. There was like optimism for the future of, of this team. And like one quote specifically got me from, from some, idol fan um that was talking about you know when we get rid of miggy's contract then we'll be in a place where we can you know maybe spend some and maybe maybe have some brighter days and i mean i, I don't know maybe that's true maybe they really do look at miggy's contract and the 30 some odd million dollars he's gonna make this year and say yeah like we're, we're gonna pay him and then we're gonna splurge I could see that happening, you know, and maybe that's what I'm optimistic about. Maybe that's, maybe that's what, you know, the, the new rebuild will look like. I don't, I mean, nothing has ever come of that, of that ideal, but it is true. We are losing a huge contract in the off season. Um, and 
it's interesting to hear from like real, you know, Tigers fans, right? Like what, what they are still looking forward to. And the idea that, that we are behind the rebuild, I think is probably a, a reality that we're just not in yet. And we're, we're beyond the rebuild is a reality that we're just not in yet. And so I think I've I think I've accepted the the reality that maybe once we get Miggy off our books, maybe once we start spending a little bit for this team and the vision for Scott Harris can actually play out after, you know, he's had his arms around this organization, not just the major league team, but the entire organization for five years. What does this ball club look like? And I think the trajectory is a lot better than the Alavila trajectory. I guess that's all I'm saying. Two and 100%. two and seven major league ball club, not exciting, right? I think we're all there, but I think the prospect of brighter days is is still there. It's not fun because we're not winning baseball. Um, but I'm not I'm not ready to hit the panic button because I think there will be I think there will be brighter days ahead. Um, in your like in in your perfect world, one, what do you think the Tigers' record is right now? And two, what was the what is the number one thing you would change about this team that would make some of the games a little bit more palpable in your estimation? Uh, I think in a perfect world, in, in good performances from this team, not even like everybody plays out of their mind, because I think if everybody plays perfectly, we're obviously nine and zero, like our friends the Rays. But I think if this this team plays to their potential for where they're at right now. I think this team is probably around four and five or five and four. You, you pick, you split the difference at this point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think we can definitely say that that Red Sox team we just watched is not a world beater. We could have taken one or two from them. They looked like world. They look like world beaters against us. <laughs> and the the bookend games against the Rays, we were in those games until the sixth, seventh, seventh, eight innings. And so, you know, you think about it for too long and you could start to see a path where you win one of those games. So if you take one from the Rays, two from two from the Astros and two from the Red Sox, that's four and five. And I think if this team is four and five right now, I think we're sitting here having a very different conversation. I don't think we're talking about hitting the panic button. And I don't think we're talking about, you know, a rebuild and tearing this team down to the studs. Now, how do we right. get there? That's a that's mm -hmm. a that's a very interesting conversation because we have to do better with runners on base. We have to do better with runners in scoring. Oh. Yeah, it's, we it's, we cannot score anyone. Issue. It feels like it, it it like genuinely it feels like if anyone's on base, it's like okay, who's gonna pop out or who's going to ground in a double play or who's going to swing at the first pitch. I can just little minor diatribe. There's nothing that aggravates me more than players swinging at the first pitch. Uh, when, when there are runners on base, I can kind of understand if you see your pitch, hit your pitch when there's no one on base, whatever, that's fine. But Javi, we had like a perfect situation. Um, in in the Boston series, and it was the last game, and it was four to one or whatever. You know, like at this point, it might have been only three to one. And we had runners on, 
and like one out. And Javi swings the first pitch. The first pitch. I'm just like, how is that controlling the strike zone? How is that? How how are we diving into the count? How are we how are we formulating a good at bat by swinging the first pitch? I don't know. I like it. It, it was mind boggling to me. But it, back to your point, right? Like, if we'd won two more games, we really feel that much better. Like, like that, like, like, I mean, if we're like, you know, I mean, if we, if we lose two less and win two more, I mean, it's two games. And I think that's like, and you, I mean, you always talk about sample sizes, right? We always talk about sample sizes. This is not a good brand of baseball that we're playing. That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying it is, it would be two more games. And that's like, it's not even, it's not even, and, and the sample size thing is very true. I'm just explaining like the feeling right now. A yeah, hundred percent. How we're losing these games. It's not fun. Mm. It, mm-hmm. that's that's the first part and secondly if mm-hmm. you get swept by a team there's something to be said about them the demoralizing that does to your morale as a team as a fan base yeah, just in general. and to get swept out of the first series of the year home opener now yeah, home opening series swept well, even the ho- opening series of the entire season both of them that too at that, home yeah, and right, on the they're, road they're both killers it hurts, and and that's probably what's contributing to the feeling that a lot of Tigers fans have right now. But you're right, and it, there's something you, to be said about looking at the big picture and just taking a step back and looking at, okay, that's just two more games. You're literally saying, if we win two more games, we feel better about the season out of two out of nine. That's a very fair point, and it's probably something I need to take a look at more. But you know, as as the meme goes, I, I'm I'm not ready to be hurt again. So, so <laughs> we do we do experience a lot of hurt with this baseball team. There are some positive notes that this ball club is, and maybe some positive storylines that this ball club is writing. Um, Riley looks good. Minus the strikeouts, minus the strikeouts, he is leading the team in strikeouts. Um, but it doesn't look like we are en route to a total sophomore slump. Um, right now he's batting 283 and uh, pretty solid on, on base. He walks a little bit right now, too. And, you know, he, he looks very much in control of a lot of his at-bats. Generally speaking, there are definitely some outliers in there and some three-pitch at, you know, at-bats where he strikes out. Um, but Riley has looked good and you know he's gotten a couple late hits um to to make the game somewhat more competitive quote unquote on the game you know the game that we went to Saturday he had like a late nine inning single to score a couple runs um and so I mean like the, those things are nice they're all fruitless and and they don't mean anything um but he he's looked okay um torque I again I'm willing to say it on on air he is passing the eye test he is he is looking a lot better than than I even thought um I was probably wrong during spring training and I'm fine to say that I'm very happy to say that um still hitting the ball hard his average again is not necessarily playing out right now but I mean again we're early in the season so a couple more of those you know, hard hit balls, they, they drop it. His average goes immensely up. Um, and he's made some, um, important 
at bats with runners in scoring position and then led to a couple RBIs, which is good to see as well. He's leading the team um, in RBIs, by the way. I forgot to tell exactly. you that too. So there you go. I think exactly. that's huge for him. What have you seen out of Riley and, and, and Torque that has led to some optimism for you? Hey, it was our main, uh, one of our main causes of concern all of last year. Like, yeah, we worried about the pitching and the injuries, and that was a big thing. But it was Riley and Torque not living up to the expectations that we put on them. And maybe that was unfair, but that was a concern. We thought that one or both of them could be challenging for a rookie of the year last year. And understandably, Riley was out early with that injury, came back, and actually had a, ended up having a pretty okay year, all things considered. But to see them leading the team in batting average to start the year is a good sign. And like you were saying, Torque has looked a lot better. He looks a lot more comfortable. He looks a lot less... Uh, well, he just, he just looks more confident overall uh, in the field, at the plate, even when he doesn't he doesn't do well in whatever at bat he's in, it doesn't look like someone shot his puppy. You know, he he doesn't look completely <laughs> destroyed. He's not he, John Wick going on a absolute tirade to re- avenge his dog's death. Right, exactly. He he looks like he is taking something from the at bat and is going to apply it later, which is I think something he needs to do a little bit more of still, but he's hitting the ball so hard and and it's, it's going to turn into some production here soon. That's just how the numbers turn out. And maybe that's all a part of this team finding, you know, water finds its level. Maybe that's all a part of it. It'll, it'll all come around. I'm, I am so excited about Matt Veerling though, man, he has not stopped hitting. I was going to say, are we, are we full on on the Matt Veerling train team MVP so far team MVP? You would be pressed to find somebody who has done more for this team, especially offensively. He's and really he's only really had that one good game, the first game of the Astros series, or the the first win, I should say, of the Astros series. Uh, and I mean, he's gotten a couple other hits since then, but ever since then, he's just solidified himself as the team MVP for me. It seems like he's <laughs> on base at least once every game, and for a team that's mm-hmm. averaging two or three runs a game, that's a lot. So it's it's awesome to see. Uh, my question for you, though, is. Has is Jake Rogers going to take Eric Haas's job before May? I would argue he might have already taken it. I think I mean, like by, by just how many appearances Haas has made in left field already. I think that is completely off script. And I think that Jake Rogers, I mean, his, his swing plays, you know, his his quote unquote retooled swing, swing plays. Um, he is single handedly making the Verlander trade at least tenable, at, le- at least passable as something. Um, he is the last remaining player from that trade. And we have been depressed about that trade since 2017. And it's really, really good to see something come out of that. Yes, it was Alavila who executed that trade. Yes, it was the end of an era for the Detroit Tigers. Um, but to see something positive come from that is is really, really nice. And I, he's still young. You know, he's, I think he's 26. You know, he, mm-hmm. he still has he still has some years behind him and some team control. And with the smaller ballpark, 
and and uh you know him being able to really pull the ball and and hit for power is something that's really really good to see to answer your question i think he's already taken the starting job i think i think he is already it is already it was maybe like 60 40 playing time and i think now it's leaning more towards 50 50 starting catcher and i think it's quickly reversing and going to 60 40 in favor of jake rogers um because Haas just hasn't looked good played he just he, he hasn't he hasn't looked great um there's always opportunity for him to go on a tear um but it just hasn't happened yet jake rogers is leading the detroit tigers in war through nine games Ooh, that's what we did not expect that is a stat <laughs> i did not who is war calculation though is that is that this is baseball reference Baseball reference, yeah. yeah. So, as we've learned, all those, all those, know. yeah, all those, all those war calculations, they get, they got, they all weight things differently and figure things out differently, and it's like, all right, what's actually the truth here? But that's that's probably one of the more surprising stats you could say from the Tigers. Um, we have to have the conversation, Josh. We have we have to have the conversation. The starters, when they're given the opportunity, they look good. Their ERA and team ERA is like in, or the rotation ERA is in like the sevens. But it seems like there's a reason for that. And it seems like it's not all their fault. What is happening with the starting rotation, Josh? Is is AJ anti-starter now? I don't think either one of us quite understand what's going on. Uh, I think we went over it a little bit last episode, but we'll we'll retouch on it again. It seems though as though AJ has continued this streak of, you know, the minute a starter gets into some trouble in the middle innings, for the most part, it started like fourth, fifth, sixth inning. It's it's a very quick hook. It, he goes to the bullpen very quickly. Doesn't let these starters finish what they've started. Uh, doesn't really matter pitch count. Pitch counts have been pretty in pretty good shape for the most part anywhere from 60 to 60 to 80 in a pitch count and they've been in games where it's been one out one on you know two outs one on you know it it's been a variety of situations where you would expect a manager to allow what we could start to call most most if not all of these guys veteran starters obviously probably not Wentz and Manning but the other three you would you would probably call Turnbull and Manning or Turnbull and Boyd, excuse me, veteran starters at this point. So Erod, Manning, or I keep saying Manning, I apologize. Uh, Matthew Boyd, Spencer Turnbull and Eduardo Rodriguez are all veteran starters and they've all been pulled. Manning or uh, Boyd and Erod twice now out of starts very early. And it's been putting some awful, awful pressure on a bullpen that is a shell of what it was last year. And it's and it's very concerning. There is there is a lot of things to be concerned about here, especially the weight and the load that this bullpen is trying to to shoulder right now. And it's it's not going well. And I think that's what it's turning into this ERA that we're seeing from the starters is a lot of those runners. And and we have a stat. I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm sure Casey knows it, but 
a lot of those runners that those starters are leaving on the first runner on first with one out runner on second with two outs, whatever the situation is. A lot of them, this bullpen is allowing to score. So 12 out of 20 have scored inherited runners. Uh, now here's my question. Do you think AJ sees that stat or knows that stat? I mean, he knows it, right? That that's exactly, you know, that that's his job literally is to know these things. Do you think he starts to shy away from this? Like it clearly has been like a, like a whole. seems like a, a regime kind of mindset change where, okay, pull the starter as soon as there's, you know, the potential for them to go through the order a third time and a uh, key situation where runners are on base and it's a matchup that we don't like. Like it, it just seems like that's just been a mindset shift. So if you, do ask, you think he sees, ask, if you were to ask AJ right now, he would have an answer for why, for why he's done it. His answer would be yeah. every single one of the starting pitchers on in, in this rotation right now did not pitch a full year last year. That's what he'll say. He'll say he's trying to save their arms for a little later in the season, and he's trying to to put a little more of the weight on the bullpen right now. Erod had the time off Do we agree on the restricted that, list. Uh, well, no. I, obviously, we're not. Mm-hmm. We're we're having this conversation for a reason. It's because we don't like what's happening. Well, no, but I guess I guess what I'm saying, like, I mean, would we like would we support that idea of like him trying to save his starting pitching, like like in deeper into the year? Like, is that is that like a, a passable argument i don't if, think it is. if he's pulling these guys at 85 90 pitches in the fourth or fifth then yeah that's totally fine if, if you've got a guy and he, he's obviously laboring and he's obviously getting to the end of his you know the 100 pitches is still this number that we look at if he's starting to get up there and they're starting to labor and you think you know that's when injuries happen then of course you want to look out for your pitchers and make sure your pitchers are staying healthy, especially these pitchers after last year, you want to make sure that they're taken care of, but that's not what's happening. What's happening is they're, they're getting into a little bit of trouble and I forget which game it was, but one pitcher was at like 60, 68, 69 pitches in the, in the fifth inning and got pulled for Jason. I think it was Boyd's first start. Yeah, like was, yeah. Was, it, it, well, if you're talking about Jason Foley, it was Erod's first start, um, like the first game of the year. It, there was some um, situation like that where the pitch count was obviously low and right. the situation seemed like it was still handleable. And you immediately hit the panic button and go to the bullpen. And I just don't know if AJ understands that his bullpen is not going to strand runners like it did last year. There's just yeah, they're not they're not, not high not leverage. The, None of them are high leverage situation. We we've had this conversation multiple times about Cisnero, but none of these guys so far look like somebody that you would trust with a one run lead and late in the game. Much less in the middle innings trying to get an out to get out of a jam. Like there's there's nobody to go to, and if you have a guy on the hill that has had some success that day against that team and isn't at 90 pitches. Why would you not just let him either a get out of it, get you through it and give uh, one of those bullpen guys, a clean inning to come into at the very least, or may have him wear it, have him be that, you know, innings eater at this point. And 
kind of wear it a little bit. Like they're they're all veterans and they've all struggled in the majors before. Every single one of these pitchers. There's no reason why they can't, you know, earn their ERA at this point. They're already getting hit with the stat side of it. Why why not just, you know, save the bullpen? Save the bullpen from throwing a bunch of pitches, pitching a bunch of innings early in the year. A lot of these guys are on pace to hit 100 innings out of the bullpen. And that's just not it's not sustainable. 100% agree. My question to you is Saturday's game. Do you pull Wentz? Absolutely. Full, not. full context. Okay. Yeah. Full context, right? Like, you know, he was probably over pit, you know, or not probably. He was over 20 pitches in the inning. He did not seem to locate any pitches for strikes. He had walked two batters in and the bases were loaded. I think. I let him face Rafi Devers as well. I don't think we lose that game 14 to 5 if he lets them or he lets Wentz face Devers. Cuz like what's the worst that's going to happen? He's going to walk in another run. Then it's just three then it's 3 to 0. I just I don't you bring in Garrett Hill who is not he's a he's a long swing man like that like like at that point it's the second inning and you need someone who can eat innings. But he's not the he's not the matchup that you want. You and if you're really gonna could have had the put those two roles switched, you could have started Hill and brought in Wentz to eat the innings. Like like there's no difference well, right. in those but two Wentz pitchers. The, Why would you switch it? Yeah. Well, because Wentz has like earned the the starting rotation spot. Well, I, I understand why, but I guess my my big question is is one, why pull him there? Because it's lefty on lefty. But then two, if you're gonna pull him, why is it Garrett Hill? Why not Tyler Alexander? We know he can he ended up coming in in the inning, but and then these are questions we can't answer. I just I'm dying to ask AJ because then then it's Tyler Alexander, it's lefty lefty. And and everyone and I I don't necessarily believe in it. I don't believe in the whole matchup game, lefty lefty splits always working out like that. But I know that AJ absolutely loves his matchups and he loves playing the lefty righty splits. What stat prompted you to go to Garrett Hill in that situation and didn't think that there was going to be a grand slam in that moment? It's just these decisions that put us out of ball games in the second inning that are baffling to me. Like it, it just, it, it, I mean, truly, it infuriates me. Like it, it, it is truly nonsensical, and I want him to make sense of it. And I really, and I don't understand why no one asks him the question. Like, why are we not asking that question? Are we scared to ask that question as like a media contingent? Like, why go to Garrett Hill in that moment? I don't know. It, it, I want someone to make it make sense. And maybe I'm missing something. Maybe we're missing something. Because, uh, I mean, I don't necessarily want to speak for you, but I think you agree. I, like, wh- where, what is the thing that we're we're saying is, is the clear-cut answer, Garrett Hill? And if it truly is just because he can eat innings and, he, you know, he's an uptick in velocity and, and, like, okay, great. Cool. But I think anyone who even attempts to manage a, ba- a major league baseball team doesn't go to Garrett Hill there. And I still think just, you don't pull Wentz like that's I, I, right. Saying. Right. I, I, right. And that, that's probably my first choice. I, I, I would definitely have Wentz face Devers. I don't necessarily know if that goes well though. And I guess, I mean, hindsight's 2020 that that's what we have to keep in mind here is right. Like all these bullpen decisions, they clearly have a reason behind them. 
And none of them have not a lot of them, anyways. There was a couple times when Foley's come in and gotten the ground ball. Um, not a lot of them have worked out, and maybe that's just bad luck. But so I'm very interested to see what, what was worst case right, scenario exactly. for Wentz it, to it's face a grand Devers, slam. I think. Right. Right. And, and it happened, happened anyway. Exactly. And is that but that's the thing, is that bad luck? Is that just baseball? Or is that like one team executing better than the other. And I think it's the latter. I really do. I think, I think it's the latter. I think, I think it's the team that is better and making better decisions in that point in time coming out on top. Um, What I'm interested for this week though, is, you know, we have an off day today. We had an off day today. Do we reset? And now is there more leash for the starters as a whole, you know, we're getting Lorenzen back. They've already said that the next start for Lorenzen is going to be in the majors. We are probably going to see Joey Wentz optioned to make room for Lorenzen. And now we have our complete starting rotation that we are expecting to have at the beginning of the year. How does AJ now with a week and a half's worth of in three series worth of data manage his bullpen? I think now is is when we start to see hopefully a change in in the way he's managing it. Because you can't look at what's happened and say, oh, okay, yeah, we're just gonna keep the same, we're gonna keep the same idea. We're gonna keep the same mindset going forward. Cause it, I mean, uh, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, like you know, whatever that that old adage, but it it it, it would be true. Like that would be insane to not change how you've been managing this bullpen. So I'm super interested to see how that goes along for the next week and these next, really this next week of games. I think it's going to be super fascinating. As I said before, I went to Saturday's game and we, my buddy from work, his or my, my coworker, his wife reached out to me like two weeks ago. And we actually talked about it on the pod last week, but we had to cut it out because it was all supposed <laughs> to be this big surprise. And I almost ruined it. And because he's a listener of the show, he he enjoys the show. And uh, shout out to you, Tyler. How you doing, buddy? And I almost completely spoiled it for him on the last pod. And that that would have been not very great. Um, in typical Casey going to games fashion, we picked the wrong game to go to. Um, I guess there wasn't really a right game to go to in the Red Sox series. Um, but the overall feel at the ballpark is still somehow, like I mentioned earlier, that positive, excited to be at a Tigers game. And it's mind-blowing to me. I mean, like, obviously when we're down, like, you know, six runs – after the second inning, that wasn't a very good feeling, but there's still this just eternal hope and it's still just fun. Like it's still, it's still just, it's still cool to be at a Tigers ball game. You know, these fans are just ignorance is bliss kind of thing. You know, um, it was super interesting because, you know, I, I literally am addicted to Twitter. And so I'm always checking Twitter and I follow everyone I can associate with the Tigers and the, the Tigers beat and all of that news dropped about Meadows and him going on the IL again for anxiety, which, you know, obviously we hope he turns out 
totally fine. And, and, you know, we're the team already said, you know, they fully support him and in, in, in this decision get well soon. Awesome. Meadows again, all of that was happening 20 minutes before first pitch. And so we're like running around the ballpark trying to like see, you know, the new field and the the new fences and um, trying to like, you know, get acquainted with the new ballpark and see some of the new attractions that they've added. And then I'm looking at Twitter and we're like changing the lineup 20 minutes before the game, which is a whole other story because apparently Austin Meadows told the team that he wasn't going to play or he was going to take a step back the night before because they told Badu to be ready and get on a plane at 4.30 in the morning. What happened? What what happened with that whole situation, Josh? I'm assuming that they were planning on making a different move with Badu. I'm assuming it was for uh Oh, uh, interesting. Probably for uh shoot, why am I uh probably for Mayton. Mayton? Whoa, really? Well but infielder for outfielder? I don't I mean they've already played Veerling at third and he looked past That's a good point. That's a good point. So that's a good point. I, I, I and scopes and playing third. My assumption is that is that that was the move because I can't. So you think Badu was already coming up? It doesn't make any any sense the other way unless there was a miscommunication somewhere on the Meadows thing and and they didn't tell somebody in time or because they posed the lineup and that's the right. more concerning. And he was in the lineup and and Meadows was in the lineup. So I'm thinking that they were going to make a move for Badu anyway. They were just going to get him on his way there so that he was there and ready. And then they were going to make mm-hmm. their move. And they had to last minute, as Tigers have been doing, just making roster moves 10 minutes before game time. They were going to they were gonna make the move for Maton or whoever. And it ended up, okay, wait, we have to make this move because, you know, uh, Meadows is going on the on the IL. So that's that's what I assume it makes the most mm-hmm. sense out of anything. Maybe not the Maton part of it, but I think it was somebody else that was supposed to go down. When they announced Badu, I didn't think there was a chance we lost that game. Obviously, that didn't go well. But <laughs> yeah, like I, again, like I mean, now we've seen two games of him. I still don't understand why people, the powers that be, do not believe in in the Badu spark plug energy. Thing. literally like well he carries the team's energy like he, he like he does like he just plays with a different kind of spark and it's like the same thing that like you know like cam maven now is is top of mind because he's joined the bally sports uh broadcast and like it just reminds me of of how fun it was to watch maven when he came back the two times that he came back um and and how much of a spark plug he was, but then the team ended up trading him away again. And like I get it, we weren't really competitive, and so you want to get as much as you can for your players. But it's just like, why do we not embrace the the spark plug? Like maybe they don't play out the best in averages, maybe they don't play out the best in OBP, like all of the all of these things, right? But they're passable, and Badu already is on his way to being the best player on the team, and he's having good at bats. I don't know why he wasn't on the team from day one. Like I, I really, I truly don't. And it, it, it's very questionable, but it's, it's good to have him back. And I guess that's, that's what's most exciting. It's good to have Badu back again. I didn't think there's a chance we were losing the game. Um, but obviously that, that went the other direction. Um, The cool thing about the game was 
Tyler went to college, Aquinas College, and they might have talked. They did talk about this on the broadcast a little bit um, with one Caleb Ort, who is a bullpen pitcher for the Red Sox. Boo, boo. And um, they played college ball together. And so, like, he has Caleb in his phone and stuff. And so um, it was cool for us to, like, sit there waiting, even though it was, you know, 14 to 5 loss. And, and you know, the game was completely out of reach from the second inning, um, which is sad to say for this baseball team, but it's true. Um, it was fun to be like, okay, well, he didn't pitch Thursday and we had an off day Friday and we kind of know the Red Sox regiment with with Caleb at this point because, you know, we kind of have some inside scoop, obviously, with Tyler. And so, you know, we we definitely are probably going to see him if they're going to keep to their plan for him on pitching as regularly as he is. And so then, like, yeah, to like have it lined up and he came in in the eighth inning. And dude looked good, dude. Like I, I'll give it to him. I was I was cheering for him to absolutely fail. I was, I was, because I'm a Tigers Atta through boy. and through. I'm a Tigers Atta fan boy. through and through. Uh, he was of course rooting for Tyler or for uh, Caleb to do well. Um, naturally, I kind of understand that. Um, he looked he looked pretty solid. He 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 throws a fastball like 97. He's working on a cutter. Um, Baez got on on an error and that was hilarious. Um, and then he allowed a base hit as well, but he had two strikeouts and, uh, the whole time, of course, I'm, I'm rooting for Caleb to give up a, you know, grand slam, but it just wasn't (laughs) going to happen. And we, um, in between innings, try to go say hi to him. And of course the Comerica park staff did not. Did not really like that. So we didn't even get to say hi to him. If we had planned it better, um, I probably would have opted to not have it be a surprise for Tyler so that he could let Caleb know that we were coming. And then we could have maybe made it a little bit more of an experience and not had to uh, literally fight some Comerica Park staff. Um, Fun fact, they won't let you near the duckouts. They won't let you near the duckouts here, you know. That is that is what they cited. That is exactly the reason <laughs> that they cited was that the teams have requested that no fans be even looking into the dugout, which is questionable for a lot of different reasons. But whatever, like what like what are the people who are sitting right by the dugouts? We can't look into the dugouts. Like what like what what is happening? But well, the, the that was TV a little bit broadcast of a letdown. cameras definitely don't show the inside of the dugouts. So I think your sarcasm is coming through. I hope it's coming through, but, (laughs) um, but overall it was, it was still a fun game. I think, and you probably, you haven't necessarily said it publicly, um, but you said it to me off air. Um, you are not going to attend any, many, if any ball games this year. Um, that are at Comerica Park, and and that is that is definitely your prerogative. And I think I might join you in that support. I might go to some Cleveland games, um, that they're playing the Tigers, but that's indirectly with revenue sharing, maybe supporting them. But I can overlook that. But yeah, I mean the product they're putting out on the team, and the fact that Illich is just not putting it back on the field is sad to say the least. And so. I probably will join you in this in this uh, protest of attending the 
Detroit Tigers. What was the broadcast like on uh, on your end? What did, did you uh, did you watch the game? Did you see us lose miserably? And were you praying for me? Uh, I had a pretty long day of work on Saturday. I kept up with what I could uh, on Saturday. I definitely watched the first couple of innings. Uh, just one thing of note: the probably the most surprising part of the whole Wentz situation was his first inning. He looked electric. He had like I awesome. think it was like a 10 like 11 pitch pitches. Yeah. 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 So Just that was whatever wild happened to, to him see in between innings. The mm-hmm. Jekyll and Hyde of Wentz come out in that second inning and not be able to throw a strike. So that was that was wild. Um yeah, I I'm, I'm so happy that you got to see the new the new dimensions and stuff. I thought that was kind of kind of a cool thing that I, I, I do wish I could see that at some point, but they got to like do something with the grass out there. They got it. It, <laughs> it, it, it is questionable at best. It is what it's like such a placeholder. It's like what, it, what is happening? It doesn't look that small though. Like I think we talked about last year, like, you know, going to progressive when I, when I went there, it's not as small as that. Um, and, and it seems like the biggest difference is, um, that's, uh, I guess, right field. um, being so much lower is is seems like uh and it is it moved in a little bit too um seems like such a difference but then like also left field being lower um it just looks different to the eye but other than that i thought it was going to look a lot smaller but it, it really didn't it's still technically the second biggest uh biggest ballpark even after moving the fences in so that They're really doing a lot to to help us to help us out with our offense. It's really good. Only the only team that's taken advantage of it yet so far is the Boston Red Sox. So that's pretty exciting. Sick. <laughs> uh Josh, we played the Blue Jays this week and we play the Giants this week. Three games against each. What do we got? What do we who what do we got for these couple series? I think we'll win one against the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> gets gets swept, so we're gonna do have two sweeps in a row. I, I know it doesn't go with our current uh, rhythm that we've been working up here. <laughs> win a series, get swept. Win a series, get swept. That's, or I guess you would start out with the get swept part. But it, yeah, I just the Blue Jays seem like they have a different kind of a, a different kind of a mojo about them this year. I think they're they're really wanting to not play in the wild card round this year. So I think, uh, I think they're looking to, to do some things and it's in Toronto and that team just seems like a different kind of a, kind of a baseball team in Toronto. So, and the giants have been beatable this year. They've, uh, yep. you know, we've said that about a couple other teams that we've lost to, but watching them get beat right now by the Dodgers five to one. Yeah. Dodgers, Dodgers going to Dodger, but <laughs> That the Dodgers are a little bit different of a baseball team than us, but that's just very true. Um, but yeah, it just seems like if there's if there's a team that we have a shot to beat out of those two, it's probably the Giants. And I and I don't see this team winning more than one, maybe two games. I exactly what you said. I'm saying we're going to win two games. I'm not going to say which games we win though. I'm leaving that <laughs> open to anything that could happen. Two games, and I didn't write this down. A pitcher goes more than seven innings this week. A starting pitcher goes more than seven innings this week. Mark, so it's going to happen. That's an important designation there. 
with Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> we would hope that a bullpen arm doesn't go seven innings. That's 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 what we hope for this team. But at this rate, it could very much happen. So, Josh, you have a little game for us. I don't even know what we're. I don't even know what we're going for here. What, what's a little game that we're about to play? So I've got a little trivia. Um, I think we're gonna try to. Uh, it, it, so this season seems like it's it's gonna it's gonna go down the toilet pretty quickly. It, it, oh my if, gosh! If the current, if go the current okay, if the current <laughs> trajectory of this team does not change, it's gonna be a long year. And I Agreed. would like to try to make it a little more entertaining to listen to for us to be a part of. And I'm I'm hoping to do some trivia, some games, and see if we can keep it keep it spiced up a little bit. So keep it light. Today, keep it light. Today we have a really nice and short one. It's just a one a one trivia question thing, and we'll go from Ooh. there. Uh, yeah, all right. I like there it. are four current Detroit Tigers that have gotten at least one MVP vote. Can you name all four of them? <laughs> Okay, Miggy. Yes, easy, easy one. He's won the easy. MVP. And these are current players. On on, Cur- on like the current team on the right roster. now. Yes, yes. Okay, so obviously we have Miggy. Mm-hmm. Um Javi Baez, obviously. Correct. Yeah. I think he's gotten a few more than just one. MVP votes, but that is accurate. Um, has Erod, but I don't. E- eh, Erod eh. has gotten some Cy Young votes, but no MVP. Okay, okay, votes. okay, okay. Oh, yeah, that, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking like highest award for position, but yeah, no, that that doesn't make a lot of sense for MVP. Okay, okay. Um, Jonathan Scope. Correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think the other one, and I think this is just us having some kind of write-in situation. Is the other one Riley Green? It, it is not. It is not Riley. Dang Green. it. He has okay, not gotten okay. any MVP votes. Is the other one Austin Meadows? It is. It is. Austin yeah, Meadows okay. is so it's just the veterans. Just I said I just went, I, you know, I was I threw in something fun there. Maybe someone voted for Riley Green last year. But I I I, you know, I was pretty confident in the veteran situation. So yeah, so we got so we got Scope, Miggy, Javi, and Austin Meadows. Also, fun fact that you probably could have That's guessed, but facts. Erod is the only pitcher on the active roster to have gotten a Cy Young vote. You know, it's, shout out to Matty Boyd. You know, he totally deserved a Cy Young vote in 2021. Um, and and last year too for his 13 innings of of relief, I think I would have right. voted him Absolutely. for Cy Young. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. First place votes for Josh. Sure. Where can the kids find us? We are on all of our socials at Old English D Pod, all one word, Old English D Pod. Uh, give us a follow on TikTok and uh, in our Instagram, guys. We're pumping out a lot of videos and we're trying to, you know, keep up with you guys midweek between podcasts. We're actually quite enjoying the the process that we're we're doing right now. We're doing uh, series preview videos, kind of previewing the series, going over the starters and what we're looking at, and then we do every game. We're doing a a reaction video, an instant reaction right after the game. It's been pretty negative so far, but it's still been pretty enjoyable to do. So 
We're excited about They're that. Fun. They're funny. Give us a follow. Give us a like. If anybody who's listened to the end of this episode wouldn't mind doing it, can you please give us a follow on whatever platform you listen to us on and give us a review? It would really help us know exactly who's listening to the end and and it would help us move up on some lists that we've been looking at. So we would really appreciate it if you would do that for us. Give us a five-star review. We know we know you guys are enjoying it, but just help us help us out a little bit. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Josh, thank you so much for joining me, as, as always. Guys, thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Tigers. Go Tigers.